Tyler Smiley. And I'm John Morrison. And this is the Rooted and Grounded podcast. Rooted and Grounded is a ministry of Lakewood Baptist Church that develops theological content to grow the church in our knowledge of God in order that we would grow in our love for Him and for our neighbor. Check out more at rootedandgrounded.co. You bring up an interesting point there, Tyler. You almost gave up on me there. I did, but you also missed a word. Oh, I did? Not that I'm nitpicky or anything. Not develops, but creates theological content. I had develop on my brain. You'll know why in a moment. You'll know why in a moment. Well, you've made me question everything we've done to this point. I'm like, maybe develops a better word. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. You know, you, you don't really want to be original when it comes to theology. So maybe we don't need to create. Maybe we just need to develop. Maybe we need to. I mean, after all, we're just boring, uh, boring pastors interested in history. And so, you know, we're just going back and taking everything that's already been said and saying it again. Boring's an Should interesting Should I air-quoted boring? Mm, mm, I mean, that it hurts a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I used to get this when I first started preaching, when I was much more boring than I am now, which is terrifying, uh, if you've heard me preach. You're just such a good teacher. You, right. uh, you, really, you, really, you really are maybe more of a teacher. Like, you are like a good teacher, though. Backhanded compliment. Like, I think you're boring. That's how I heard it, but, but I may be a little a bit teacher. critical. I may yeah. be a little bit critical. Anyway, hey, neither here nor there. Develops. Speaking of history. Oh, yeah. You know what today is? Uh, it's the day we commemorate the rejection of my article from a certain online site. Did you know that it was republished again today? I did. Oh, today? Yeah. Oh, it was republished. Just keep going back to the well. It was republished today. Wow, I should go share that with so all. So if you want to know more about... So so today oh. is uh, known as pop, popularly... St. Patrick's Day, and uh, and and it's not just a day of wearing green, although as you can see. Yeah, you I can tell we green. both have children in elementary school because we're wearing green today. We all have on our green, <laughs> and we knew that we were supposed to wear green today. Yes. Uh, but not only that, but it's it's uh, about Patrick of Ireland. Yeah. I'm just and glad we you're not recording this live on location in Savannah. <laughs> Where, where the river has been turned green. Yeah. So anyways, if you want to know more about who this person was that we talk about every year by wearing green and, and uh, is it pinch or pinch one another? It depends on what part of Georgia you're from. <laughs> and you uh, pinch one another for not wearing green. <laughs> I'm not from thing. that part. <laughs> then you can go uh, to historicaltheology.org and read the article on Patrick of Ireland written by our very own John, Dr. John mm. E. Morrison. Esquire. It's a good article, by the way. I, re- I reread it this morning. It's very good. I, I've actually forgotten what I said, so maybe I need to go read it again. You should go back and read it. Uh, and there's a good book. Uh, you know, Dr. Haken, one of my professors from seminary, has a nice little book on Patrick of Ireland. That you can right. find on wherever you find books. That's right. I forgot about be that. good. He's a fast. I think you know we usually obviously snakes, green, shamrocks, uh, but just fascinating missionary story. And I know you love his confession of faith, the Trinity. Mm. 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 
So good. He's still your beating heart. <laughs> yeah, no, great. So good. Great, great story. Very inspiring, inspiring life. So go read about it. Um, and then while you're at it, check out rootedandgrounded.co and find some uh, new articles there that uh, that are be, be coming. And so my next project, I'm announcing it publicly so that I'm held accountable. I am going to write the Holy Spirit in Galatians. I'm still researching. I just finished another article that I've been working on now for about 10 months. So I can't promise you that this one's coming very soon. But mm. uh, Wait, but uh, that article was not for me. It was not for you. It was for a different. It was for the same that you've written for historical theology. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. The Holy Spirit in Galatians. So yeah. go check well, out both of those places. And I would also say that I do owe someone an editing and publishing of their article. So I've got to get that. You're not the only one behind on the old okay. Rooted and Grounded. Okay. Uh, it's like we, I know this may come as a surprise to some people, but we actually do other things besides Rooted and Grounded. Yeah. I mean, shock. like we're both highly successful basketball coaches. That's right. pretty important to mention. That's right. Very important. Um, fathers of up-and-coming star athletes that's clear it's clear. been abundantly proven at this point in their in their long <laughs> illustrative careers i think it's six years old is pretty safe to say that we're uh yeah things are moving in the right direction he's the real deal as they say <laughs> let the offers come in yeah and uh as is as is true in my house i believe is true in yours that they get their athleticism from their mother that's so. becoming more clear every day. That's that's our hope, at least a, for both of a, us. Speaking of hope, um, where speaking of hope, nice here's where transition. we are. Nice, it's clever. Nailed there. it. First Corinthians fifteen. That's where we are, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. <clears throat> and uh, it has a lot to do with hope. This has been a this is a great chapter of scripture. Uh, there's a lot happening in this one chapter. You you know, most people. I would venture to say this has to rank up there really highly in a chapter that most people have almost assuredly heard at some point in their life. Mm. Something from this chapter. Like we know John 3.16, uh, we know Deuteronomy 6, you know, I mean, so you know like these, but this is one, they may not know it's from 1 Corinthians 15, but I bet you a lot of people have heard it because it's, you know why, you know why I'm saying this? It's used so often on Easter Sundays. Oh, I think you preached you know, it last Easter Sunday. I've preached it on uh, last Easter Sunday or two years ago, one of those two. Uh, but it's just so uh, frequently used on Easter Sunday, something from this chapter, that I bet you most people have heard something from it, even if they don't know this where it's from. So it's a very important chapter of scripture i think why it's used on easter so much is because it's got that really concise statement of the gospel mm. at the mm -hmm. very beginning mm -hmm. but then it unpacks just a lot more not only about the uh, crucifixion but the resurrection and what this means and i don't know what's what what's been your experience with first corinthians 15 have you would you agree with that that statement that most people probably have heard something on it before in their life Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I think so. I think particularly the, that idea, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then your faith is futile. 
or your faith is in vain, your faith is meaningless, some, you know, however your version translates it. I think that's, that's just such a punchy summary of mm-hmm. his point in this whole chapter uh, as he's arguing for the reality of the resurrection and then goes into explaining what our resurrection will be like. It's like the resurrection, I mean, essentially the chapter is the resurrection better be true or we're wasting our time. Yeah. So isn't uh, that I, a striking way of putting it? Well, yes. And I, you know, this is where I tried to draw it out in our, our group this week. And I don't, I didn't do a very good job. Let's be honest. And I'm probably going to do a bad job here. So I'm hoping you'll, you can, uh, you can talk it clear here. You can muddy. I mean, you can clarify my muddy thinking, but that yeah. verse, verse 19, all right. If in Christ, we have hope in this life only, we are all of all people most to be pitied. I just, I've really had this question, maybe conviction that's come to me in, in studying this verse over the last, or this chapter really over the last 10, 10 days, two weeks. Like, how do I live sort of functionally denying the resurrection? How do I live as if Christianity only gives me hope in this life? And then, you know, maybe more terrifying, am I leading people to live as if Christianity is just about this life? Uh, because I think there's a temptation for us to want people to see the fruit of following Christ now that we can make following Christ all about well, what can he what can God do for me now? How can he help me have a better life? Um, is that is that make sense like this? Oh yeah, okay. it can and it comes out <clears throat> I think it comes out both in the the point you're making in our own personal walk with the Lord, that we often think like that. But I think it also comes out in our evangelism. Mm -hmm. How can I make this, how can I present? I mean, so we know that the gospel is good news. And so we want to make it sound really good because it is good. But too often, I think we do sort of strap it in to how good of news this is for you in this life. Yeah. And I mean, I just want to be clear, it is good news in this life, but it you may not see how it, you know, you may not, it, people can mean different things by that. Yeah, well, it's, it's good news because it's not just about this life. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. And I think it, where I've come to this week is that it's good news even when this life is not good. Like it's good news for this yeah. life even when this life is not good, which is, you know, so often I think about, well, I really like that our faith gives us purpose in life. It brings comfort. It brings joy. But there are times when it just, if life feels purposeless, uh, life feels, doesn't have that joy. It doesn't have, we don't experience that comfort. We're not overcome by hope. Uh, I mean, I think those are things we have to work toward by the spirit, uh, through the spirit and by God's grace. But Christian, the gospel Christianity, it's still good news, even when it doesn't feel good, even when life is hard. Uh, and that's that's been one of the things this chapter has helped me wrestle with is just gritting, how am I approaching faith? And then how am I calling on other folks to approach faith? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think the way that it 
the way that well this translation has it but if Christ if in Christ we have hope in this life only we're most to be pitied <clears throat> I mean you've been drawing it out but just to take another pass at it first of all we do recognize we do have hope in this life so it's not a denial of the hope that we have That's in this right. life but it really is an another reminder that because Jesus has been raised from the dead our hope is not just for this life. So, you know, a lot of times um, you may even see it that when we talk about, um, well, what we were saying a minute ago, Christianity, God, what, what can you do for me now? Mm-hmm. We may even be, be willing to endure a little bit as long as before we die, we get what we're hoping for. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm not getting it now, but one day it will come. If I just stay faithful, it will come before I die. But it's just this hope is extending, not just to elongate your hope that you'll get something in this life, but it just it's way surpassing this life. I mean, there are, and here, look, here's an example. I think that if you are, if you make wise financial decisions uh, and you invest and you save and you do that, there's, you have a really good chance of one day really being in a good spot in life. I mean, if you're able to really earn and save and be diligent with your saving and put it away and see that compounding interest, you know, I mean, all the words that I'm saying out there to make people think I know what I'm talking about, but you know, uh, you really put it away and you save it and you see it grow and you're consistent in doing that. I think you can have pretty good hope that this may turn into something one day. And when I, maybe I will be able to not work full time one day. I can, you know, retire. It, but, Doubtful. well, you know, here's the thing about retiring. This is for a different day, but most people, we don't really retire. You just quit working. And then, you know, what are you going to do then? Anyways, that's neither here nor there. But <laughs> have you been having these conversations with someone in your life recently? <laughs> like, so, how many rounds of golf can you play? What what else are you going to do with your time? Uh, but really, like there are things that you can do in this life that you can have a pretty good hope, to use that language, right. that right. it will turn out if you're... But for Christianity, it's just another reminder. It is so much not only about this life, that this hope extends beyond the grave and... We don't do what we do just so that one day, maybe before we die or, you know, that we'll get what we want. But we're doing what we do because we believe what we do is not in vain, that it will be uh, the the uh, implications of what we do for Christ will last far beyond what this world has to offer. Yeah. I mean, if you go down to verse 30. I think Paul really starts to pull out, like, what does this mean for your life now? And he said, well, why are, we, why are we in danger every hour? Like, why are we putting our lives on the line? He says, I protest, brothers and sisters, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. Like, the hope of the resurrection means we can die every day. I mean, we can do what Christ calls us to, to take up our cross daily, follow him, deny ourselves and follow him. And so 
I mean, keep going in 32. Paul says, what do I gain if humanly speaking, I fought with beast at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat, drink, eat and drink for tomorrow we die. It's like, that's the, the resurrection means, I mean, well, it's verse 58, that our toil in the Lord, our work in the Lord is not in vain. That's right. And so you can face death daily. You can, we can die to death. We can die to self daily because of the hope of the resurrection. Yeah. You know, anytime I see, um, like, it, the, the language of being in vain, of being futile, of mm-hmm. uh, being ultimately, I mean, really, it means really ultimately not, not lasting or not worthwhile. Right. Valueless. I mean, I can't not think of Ecclesiastes. I just, that that's sort of comes right into my brain and to just remember all that, uh, everything that's just what the, what the teacher in Ecclesiastes has to say, have everything under the sun. I mean, it just, he's like searched out everything in this life and he's found it all lacking, mm-hmm. like not able to fulfill him, to give him that purpose, not lasting and not valuable, not worth doing because it just lasts for this life. And there's so much that we do that really only matters in this world. But what one of the things that Paul has drawn out here in first uh, Corinthians 15 is that because Jesus has been raised from the dead, it's a clear reminder. And it's a, it's a, uh, it's reasonable to see now that our life is not just about what happens before we die. Mm. And if we work for Christ, he's saying, because he's been raised, and we have confidence that there's life after the grave, because Jesus has been raised, his argument goes, we know that there is resurrection from the grave. And because there is resurrection from the grave, then we can't only think about what happens in this life. We have to think about what happens in the life to come. And things that matter for this life only ultimately are in vain. They're futile. They're fleeting. But if we work for the Lord, then that work counts beyond the grave so that it's not ultimately in vain i mean it's just it's like a shot in the arm for the christian to remember what we're doing really truly does matter and not even for 10 years and 100 years or 200 years or a thousand years but for the lord it matters eternally i mean it makes has lasting implications yeah you this call to take the long view of life that and that i I really do think that's one of the most amazing things about our faith is to say we have we worship our god who has existed from eternity past and will exist forever and yet what we do with this brief span of time on earth really it matters for eternity that it will not be in vain and it's not just like oh it matters for eternity if you're the super spiritual person who, uh, you know, insert whatever your picture of super spirituality is, you know, faces beast every day in Ephesus or whatever it is, that when we live from a heart of faith to the glory of God, that is significant no matter what we're doing. Even the things that the world, I'm, that the world says are insignificant matter in the sight of God when they proceed from a heart of faith to his glory. That's right for eternity to the praise of his glorious grace for all eternity. It's really remarkable.
that gives me just that. I mean, every time I think about that and we talk about it, it it's just a fresh breath of motivation because mm. we, I mean, the honest thing, we, we do get tired and we should, we shouldn't be surprised that we get tired. We, we, our bodies as they exist now are not lasting forever. Right. I mean, they're like a seed that will one day be planted and by God's grace, because Christ has been raised from the dead. So we who are in Christ too will be raised from the dead. So these bodies are not meant to last. Now I have a question, forever. a biology question for you or botany. Are seeds dead? Okay. I've learned this. Uh, and perhaps the person who taught it to me will be listening to it. So I will not use that person's name. So I've learned that apparently seeds are not dead mm. because there is a, uh, a tiny, uh, minuscule, uh, not visible to the naked eye. However you would describe it, amount of water. Is that, is that the, is that the scientific term? Naked eye? Naked? Naked or naked? Naked, on how naked eye. It. One of those sounds better than the other, scientifically speaking. Uh, it's just like so, a pinch of it, right? Just a pinch just of a it? a pinch of water, a little pinch of water that's trapped in that seed that can apparently stay in that seed for thousands and thousands of years, potentially. Mm. So, uh, but me and my master gardener botanist friend have decided that we can agree on this one thing. Okay. A seed is as good as dead until it is, uh, you know, finds its way into mm. the soil. And mm. so, you know, if you set a seed on your desk, um, it's not going to grow. You know, you set yeah. a seed. Yeah, it's just, it's as good as dead uh, until you, you bury it and uh, plant it in the ground. And then, so I was graciously corrected. Hey, this is why I don't use illustrations. Like, <laughs> just get in the way. Talk about things I only know. I shouldn't have talked about seeds. I don't really know. Yeah, much stick about to what planting. you know. Tolkien, Marvel <laughs> movies, whatever else. What else do you know? Stick, uh, that's about it. That's about, See, that's why I had to come up with something new. <laughs> I ran out. That's all I know. Great. So, uh, job. anyways, um, seeds are, I think we can safely say, as good as dead. Just like we are. We're without Christ. We're, we're dead. We have no hope of being with God. We are enemies with God. Um, we're dead in our trespasses. And uh, it's only by Christ's grace that we can be raised to new life again and to live with him forever. So um, I thought the illustration was, you know, uh, punchy and insightful. But to some, it could have been distracting. Who know much more about the process of growing things than I. Mm. Hey, you started with you know, this idea, my assessment of whether or not people knew 1 Corinthians 15. Yep. Uh, let me ask you a general assessment of people's knowledge or thoughts about our faith. When, when people think of the resurrection, you know, do you, do most people think about it as a bodily event? I mean, or most people think, okay, what is my future hope? My future hope is this, I mean, you know, sort of verse 35 to the end is the spiritual body this hope of a bodily resurrection and a new creation. Do you think most of us think of our future hope as an em embodied life in a new creation? Or, I mean, yeah. the other, sort of this, we float around as sort of as an ethereal spirit being type thing in, in the clouds. 
Yeah, I think the latter is the more common conception. I think most people, uh, that's what they think, you know, heaven is like. Uh, that's what they're sort of anticipating. That's what they're waiting for. That's what it means to be, you know, that's what life is like after this world. And uh, boy, what a great, what a great image that Paul describes here of what resurrection life is all about. You know, it's fascinating to me, first of all, that as amazing and as worth arguing positively for the resurrection of Jesus is like that he could have spent this entire chapter just defending the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. And he does present evidence to believe Jesus was raised from the dead, but he's just doing that to get to the point he's ultimately trying to make that we too in Christ will be raised. I mean, that just, anytime I read first Corinthians 15, I'm, I'm really, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's what my expectation, like I just would have thought, Oh, he's just going to spend all this time talking about Jesus was raised and this is why we know he's raised. And this is the evidence and it's, and on and on. And by the way, you two will be raised because he was raised. But really the point is he was raised from, you know, but he, he kind of flips those two and he says, Jesus was raised from the dead. Here's a couple of reasons we know why, but that's abundantly clear. What you really need to hear is because he was raised, you too will be raised from the dead. Which and seems I think to be the question. A, I mean, that was right. the question that was raised, right? Is, oh, people are saying there's that we aren't going to be raised. That's exactly right. So he's, he's responding to their question. He's giving them the answer. And he's giving them the vision of what it looks like to be mm. raised in Christ. You know, I know you've done uh, a lot of work on our bodies. And, uh, I mean, you spent several Theologically years of, speaking, of, course. Of, your, of your life th- thinking and reading theologically about the, uh, a good Christian understanding of the, the uh, corporal body. What are you finding, and as you start, start to think through that, and then even you asked a great question about our resurrected bodies, what are some of the highlights that come to mind that would be worth Christians knowing about? Well, I, mean, I think, I think one of the key things is to remember uh, that Christ came with a body, right? He took on a fully human nature because he came to redeem all of us. You know, it's like it's like the father, the church fathers used to say, right? What was not assumed could not be healed. What, you know, what was not assumed could not be redeemed. So that Christ came with a complete human nature and body and soul to redeem us in body and soul. Uh, so I think for me, like this chapter, chapter, you know, First Corinthians 15, and, and really thinking about the incarnation, it's just this reminder that God cares about our bodies, but also the physical creation. And so I think that says something about where our priorities should be, right? Ultimately, the new creation comes about through the work of Christ on the cross, right? I mean, this is, and we are called to put our faith in him. And it's this incredibly spirit, I mean, right, it is a spiritual reality. And yet, I just don't see in the New Testament, this sharp division, or really all of Scripture, the sharp division that we want to have between the physical and the spiritual. I think a lot of folks, we are tempted to treat the physical as sinful, and the what's spiritual, our soul, our spirit, as what's good, Yeah, which is uh, not a Christian idea. It 
much more of a pagan, uh, you know, insert whatever your favorite pagan philosophy. That's how most non-Christian religions will view, or many non-Christian religions will view the world yep. is physical is bad. Spiritual is good. Get rid of the physical so we can have the spiritual. And that, and that's just not the case in Christianity that what God is doing is making all things new. Yep. So that the hope for us is an Eden is Eden restored and even elevated to a new yep. level. Um, and so I think that's just helpful to remember so that we, we don't go around thinking that the physical is somehow bad. Uh, it turns out, uh, you know, I think about Jesus's words uh, about what makes a person unclean. Right. Right. It, it's not what comes into the body. It's what goes out because out of the, it's out of the heart that we speak. Yeah. And really, why do we sin? Well, we sin because of our spiritual sinful natures. <laughs> so, uh, your body didn't make you do it. Uh, your, your sinful nature, your spirit, right? That's where our sin is arising from. So I just think it's helpful as we would approach life and think about this world, but also think about what it means to serve others as Christ has called us to serve them as he sent us into the world that, uh, we don't need to draw this sharp division between caring for the spiritual side and caring for the physical. That the two go. Hand I appreciate in hand. that emphasis. Yeah, I appreciate that emphasis that you've really brought uh, into a very missional mindset. To because sometimes we can think, uh, well, you know, it's not important what they need. They just we just need to talk to them more about who Jesus is, and right. we don't. By all means, no no one around here will ever discount the need to give the gospel, the good news to people so that they can, by faith, be justified before God's eyes. So amen to that fully. But not to discredit our, our uh, the physical, the um, how the gospel interacts with the physical world, how it calls us to really reach out and help and care for people who are in need or to care for one another. And uh, yeah, so it's a great reminder. I always appreciate that you've brought that emphasis to well, us. You can, you can just thank Richard Greenham. That's right. <laughs> Everyone's favorite Puritan they've never heard of. So uh, did I tell Richard, you, uh, did I tell you I'm, I may get to talk about Greenham in front of a room of like six people or something at BTS <laughs> next year. Very that will exciting. be a rowdy bunch. That's a lot of people for that crowd. Uh, what I'm hoping so in our in our group, Dr. Haken's presenting. So I hope there's some guilty people who don't want to leave. Like, at, you know, he presents the big draw and then I come yeah, and share. And I'm hoping people will feel guilty and stay. They'll feel like they need to stay. Either. Yeah, they don't want to be rude. <laughs> that's well, here's that's my only hope. Well, that would be uh, that'd be great. Richard Greenham, go look him up. Every Puritan thinks he's the greatest. And yet his writings haven't stuck like some of the other ones. But well, he's uh, a... Not an incredibly captivating writer, let's be honest. <laughs> but speaking of resurrections, you are resurrecting the interest in Richard Greenham, well, even single-handedly. Yeah, and and the reason it connects here is he he actually faced the same challenge Paul did, where there was a group of people denying the physical resurrection. And so that's one of the things he had to address in his pastoral ministry. And I, I don't, so, you know, I think that's a it's something we consistently need to remind ourselves of is the reality of the resurrection. Yep. You know, Amen. Paul Paul faced it in the first century. We see it, people challenging it in the sixteenth century and even today. I think people there's some who would deny the physical resurrection.
Well, uh, we got to close our time up. It's been to, uh, it's been a little bit since we published our last one, so we wanted to give you a little bit of extra content there, just to chew on to make up for. Does lost it go? Time. Did we go long? It just doesn't feel long. It's, it feels so so quickly when we're doing it because it's just so fun. So maybe we should. Uh, that did really not sound genuine. I just want you to let the record under let the record show. I don't think that sounded genuine at all. I meant it to be it, genuine. We're having so much fun. It is so much fun. I really enjoy this. I can't wait to be back next week with you. Sorry, John. I was just reading off the teleprompter that you wrote for me, but uh, I'll st- I'll start speaking from my heart. Uh, love First Corinthians fifteen so good because Christ has been raised. We have hope. Death has been swallowed up in victory, mm. and our hope outlasts this life. And the work we do for the Lord here and now is not in vain. And that's what hope gives us. And uh, it's a great chapter. Read it over and over. And uh, yeah. Anyways, it's always good to talk about, which is maybe why we talked for a few extra minutes. We'll come back next time. It'll be another great topic, and uh, you won't want to miss it. I can just promise you that. All right. Thanks so much for your time, John. Thanks, Tyler.